Good evening. I'm Max Kreitzer, and you're listening to a very special The Story Of. I have some incredible guests tonight. I have Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess from the huge podcast, Astonishing Legends. Many of you know that that's my favorite podcast, but what you might not know is it's the reason I do this podcast. I used to listen to them, and I loved it so much. I emailed them and asked them what equipment they use and how to do it, and they wrote me right back, and they've always been so generous with their time, and they're just... Their podcast is huge, and they have no reason being on this podcast, except for, I thought, who would be the best people to talk to about the current Chris Harrison controversy from The Bachelor. I thought I got to talk to these guys about it. So they agreed to be on the show. I'm so happy to have them, and I was so nervous to record them that I switched my mic over to the crummy mic, so I sound like an idiot, but they were great. And they really dug deep into this controversy. So let's take a listen. Okay, well, welcome to the story of, uh, the most special story of, I don't know how, but we got Forrest Burgess and Scott Philbrook on today from Astonishing Legends. Uh, I'm sure everyone listens to your show, but do you want to give a quick synopsis of Astonishing Legends? I know you're good at quick stuff. Yeah, especially (laughs) Forrest. (laughs) You got hey, I have this. We've sorry. Yes, I, we've been asked so many times, uh, and what's funny is the nature of our show. You try and gauge. You know, we're always trying to get more listeners and, and want people to, uh, to to try us out and join in. Then you try and gauge uh, their interest level in different fields. So I'm cautious a little bit about starting with. Well, we're a paranormal podcast, uh, so sometimes I would say uh, it's strange, weird stories in in history. Uh, mysteries, uh, it could be strange phenomena, uh, and then paranormal at the end of that. So yeah. <laughs> just in case that's not your cup of tea. You should throw true um, crime in there because that's real. We, every once in a while, we'll, we'll ha- it, they mix yeah. and we'll, uh, we'll cover a story that does have a true crime uh, angle to it. And uh, that seems to be very satisfying for a lot of people. There are podcasts that solely cover <laughs> Uh, true crime mixing with the paranormal, and uh, that's fascinating to us too. But uh, but normally, yes, I would just say we we cover stories of uh, uh, interesting uh, people in history, weird historical mysteries, uh, and uh, j- just strange things. Any stories that uh, really captivate our interest, and we hope the listener is captivated too. Well, it's great because you know. A lot of our wives listen to true crime, murder, the worst stuff. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually got to listen to the DB Cooper episode because I was like, "It's it's a crime." So we listened to that <laughs> one together. So that was it was a nice break. <laughs> it's one of the biggest crimes out there ever. And uh, when you look back, I'm not sure uh, there's a paranormal angle other than uh, you know possibly a disappearance in the woods. And you know, as we've been doing the show for years now, we realize that's a thing. People mysteriously disappearing in strange places in the woods, and uh, maybe that happened to him in that moment, <laughs> or he was snatched out of the air like Frederick Valentich. I'm in hot water with my sponsor, so I, I I have to ask a random question. I'm sorry, it's sponsored by Random Question Generator. Okay, all <laughs> right, been really sure. Good to me, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think we're I think we can handle it. We can handle just about anything. Okay. Yeah. And I, I promised myself I wouldn't skip any. Sometimes they're really good. Yeah. They're always really good. Okay. Wink. Wink, wink. wink. <laughs> um, okay. I am going to skip this first one. 
What's the best way to start the day? What's the best way to start the day? Honestly, for me, it is a very traditional breakfast with some eggs, bacon, a few sliced tomatoes, and some toast. I just feel like a million bucks after that. And I love to get it at a diner where someone else has prepared it and then taken it away when I'm done. And I have not been able to do it since COVID. And I greatly, greatly miss it. That's true. And on top of that, my favorite diner in LA, I just moved from LA, my favorite one that I used to always go to and Forrest and I would meet at frequently, closed because of COVID. So even the even the old dream is gone. But that's my favorite way to start the day. Yeah. Uh, closed for good, right, yep, Scott? I think I, when I drove by the last time uh, we were recording at the old studio and, and sadly, that place has been around for, for decades. Yeah. And gone. Uh, great old owner and, uh, who, and the wait staff were terrific and, and really good uh, diner food and uh, it's just too bad. It's another casualty. Yeah, we lost a vintage stock just closed. That was my favorite place. Oh. And then uh, Captain D's burned down, so it's just been terrible. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but it smelled great a- when it burned. It was oh. <laughs> <laughs> All the bacon uh, grease. Yeah. Uh, Forrest, what's your perfect start? Well, I'm not sure if it's perfect, but the first thing I do is I roll over in bed, I check my iPhone, and my iMessages to see if anything has blown up with the show. Oh, if, if that's we've been, a terrible way to start. <laughs> that's the best way. That's well, it's, like I said, it's not the best way, but but it leads to the best way. <laughs> Cut to me biting my nails at noon, being like, "Can I text him now? It's nine a.m. There, can I text?" Him? <laughs> no, and I always tell him, "Look, it, it, you know, the, the phone is on uh, silent. Uh, do not disturb until about ten thirty in the morning." And I tell Scott, "You can text uh, at any time." Uh, and, you know, it's not going to bother me. I'll just get it later. But you have to realize he's three hours ahead now. So, uh, you know, he starts his day. Well, he's up at 6, yeah, 630. Yeah, he's starting at 1030. So that's, no, like, yeah. that's no excuse. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, so he's he's his up and at it. Day starts 630 at his time. Yeah. And uh, that's 330 a.m. my time. So no way in heck I'm going to be uh, up at that yeah, time. But I'm, I, not, but I'm not sitting. I mean, you know, that's getting a kid to the bus stop and all that. That's true. I'm not sitting yeah. in the chair till at least eight your time probably. Yeah, but right. Forrest, but said, he, Forrest said he rolls over in bed to check his phone, so we know he's in bed at ten thirty. Yes, morning, that's right. So. That's right. <laughs> no, no, that's the very end of it. No, you have to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. If there's a problem, I said it. No, because here's what leads to the uh, one of the worst, uh, you know, starts of the, your day is uh, you do get a ding on your phone or something wakes you up. Uh, you know, sometimes we're at noon. Yeah, occasionally we'll have a late recording session and uh you know you'll still wake up but it's like gosh i could use another couple of hours uh before we actually start uh, you know back at it research yeah i do love sleeping in i will say especially after a late night so yeah it's so sometimes you know if you get woken up and it's hard to get back to sleep now you're just groggy all day so uh here's what leads to the best uh start of the morning i roll over i see that no one's texted me anything and then I go back to sleep for another hour. Also, so, no and emails. that's way before 1030. Yeah, yes. right. You know, emails, uh, that's a bad habit to yeah. uh, check those first. It's just it's just text messages. And so, uh, like I said, I just have it to, uh, generally set to do not disturb until 1030 in case I go back. Because there's a couple of times it's like, okay, no one's texted. And then you forget that it's off and then you get, you get dinged. And now you're woken up and you can't get back to sleep. So and it's it's still uh, you, you still had another hour or so you could have uh, relaxed. So the best sleep of the day is really that first morning when you wake up and you realize, oh, thank goodness, there's there's nothing has gone wrong. I woke up two Sundays ago. Speaking of being in hot water with sponsors, I woke up two Sundays ago to a message from Forrest that was six hours old. 
<laughs> that yeah. said, newsflash, the show we posted last night, one of the commercials, the, the call to action at the end is completely screwed up. <laughs> so yeah. I got up at six, rewrote it, re-recorded it, remixed it, edited it in, oh. uploaded it, and replaced the file, even though it had been sitting on the servers all night long. And uh, yeah. but, the, but the but the sponsor didn't notice. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Isn't that thrilling? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it ruined my Sunday, though. <laughs> yeah, and then that allows me to get back to sleep. Well, I knew it would ruin his, but it would uh, ensure that he was going to take care of it and I could sleep in peacefully on that Sunday morning. Yeah, that's what I get for being the uh, producer <laughs> editor guy. So on the or the back end editor, we have an editor too. So I miss the days when uh, Scott would edit the show because now you have you have a uh, Sarah. Yes, yeah, Sarah. Yes, yeah. And yeah. Ryan does sound design and yeah. You have te- yeah. Tess producers. Yes. And, but I remember when you used to edit them, and I just liked seeing the tweets and stuff where you'd be like, "Oh, it's come. I, it's something came up or just." That, yeah, pushing it another well, day. Well, we didn't have sponsors, so that that was the that's the downside to being sponsored. You know, Knockwood, we're obviously very fortunate to have income from it, but back in the day when you didn't have them, you could just post it late. Who cares? You know, a couple listeners were like, "Why didn't it go up?" They're like, "It's coming tomorrow." <laughs> it's it's still free. It's, it's free. always been free, and free. It, it always yeah, the main show always will be. Yeah, but that really you know that's a little tip for. Uh, budding podcasters is that uh, really once you decide on an advertising schedule for the year and your platform, uh, Audioboom graciously, of course, uh, looks for sponsors for us and and sets that all up. But that schedule set in stone uh, in the last quarter of the previous year. So uh, it's got by October, I think we have to give them uh, the days that we want to produce a show. Yeah. Yeah. They want to know the whole every, when every episode will air for the whole next year. That's and true. then so they can start selling the commercials. We're right now we're sold out through June for this. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's great. But, it, it's, but you have to stick to it. Yeah. See that at that point though, then, I mean, you should anyway, I would say for people who are starting out a, a podcast of their own is that you should try as best as you can to be consistent because that's what keeps people listening. And and uh, it's like if with any other medium, they like to tune in and uh, check their downloads and see if uh, one of their favorite shows is up. And uh, if it's not, and it's a few days late, it's like, it's not a big deal. It's always there, of course, but uh, people, it's like, it's like with uh, the anticipation of a serial series is that people like to come back and it keeps people listening. So you try and be consistent, or you should. Uh, but once you're locked into an advertising schedule, you know they'll have a, a sponsor will have a special deal <laughs> that's running for that week, or they have a, they want to launch a sales campaign. So it needs to start within the week uh, agreed upon. Okay, I feel like you're kind of lecturing me on my podcast. Not, <laughs> <laughs> He's not at all. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, you yeah. could, uh, you know, that's the thing is that, you know, people say, uh, well, you know, how, how, what should I, what should my podcast be about? Or uh, how should I go about it? It's like, it could be anything you want. It, you just have to decide what you want your show to be. I think is it's it, a little lazy to ask you what their podcast should be about. Well, they'll, they'll, uh, it's not so much ju- just the theme, but it's just like, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, should we, should we go every two weeks? Oh, okay. Uh, every week, uh, should, uh, you know, should we, yeah, sometimes it's, should we combine true crime with the paranormal or, uh, you know, because one of our, our team members is really knowledgeable about, uh, true crime or, and then the other person will be, I'm really into ghosts and, and, uh, well, yeah, find a unique angle that you all enjoy because, you know, as much as Scott and I love this subject matter, 
you know, it, it can be a grind sometimes, oh, not sure. so much the stories, but just uh, having to produce it all. So you, you should love it when you're going in because there'll be times well, when that's you don't. like my screenwriting professor. So I took a screenwriting class in college for as part of my bachelor's in communications, which was radio, TV and film. And I remember that I was so excited because this professor a real cool dude. He's like into Boonwell and, you know, Unshin and Delu. And I'm like, oh, we're going to learn how to make real cool movie scripts out of our dream journal. And so we get in there and he was always like, all right, you have to write a feature by the end of this, uh, you know, this course. I'm going to grade you on it. Um, but here's the thing to remember. But here's the thing to remember. You better be sure, whatever the idea is, that you love it. <laughs> Really, really love it because by the time you're done writing it, I don't care what it is, you're going to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. My, yeah. my film teacher just said, he would just say, go shoot what you want. No trains. I'm sick of trains. Everybody <laughs> shoots trains. <laughs> we're like, oh, we were going to go shoot the train but oh yeah well well it, it can be dangerous too i mean that's the other thing is that uh, people fall into natural human behavior you know uh, like cliches i guess you could say uh but in you know when i was in film school uh you know back in the old days and you had a sound library at your acts uh, you know you could access uh which they were all on old uh, audio tape and so um you know, you would have uh, grad students compiling all the sound effects for us to use. You had to patch it in, and your starting class oh, was cool. Super Eight. Yeah, it was. Well, they they want you to learn the basics, so it was shot on Super Eight film, silent, but you could add a soundtrack to it. Yeah. Now, the other thing you, was, you, it was a bird that would actually fly the film across the room <laughs> to the processing bin. You would have to wait. You know, not <laughs> not quite that antiquated. But here's what I'll tell you: is that you learn the nuts and bolts. Of filmmaking in their separate elements, yeah, sound, yeah, that is true. picture, cool. and also the the big thing, at least at USC, was we don't want you to rely on dialogue because we want you to tell the story visually. Mm -hmm. That's plus it's yeah, you could get a Super 8 camera that shot sound on it or record it separately, but they didn't want any lip flap, <laughs> meaning people you see people talking and you can't hear them. It's like well, that's you know unless it's really short, and they didn't want you to try and sync audio but what was funny is that uh so you're listening through all the the sound effects clips and i remember in, in one of my films i had a uh you know there was supposed to be a nuclear explosion which i you know you learned is such a cliche and you have the grad students uh you know who are recording them introduce the clips and it's like yes and you've all been waiting for it and now here is the cliche nuclear explosion for all of your enjoyment that you're going to use and use so much ad nauseum here it is. And then they and then they play. But what you realize, like, it's not a very uh, the recording is not a very dramatic sound. It's just it's a low rumble. It's, of course, from many miles away. So creatively, it's really not what you want. Everybody thinks like, oh, I want a nuclear explosion sound. And it just didn't work out. So you see a lot of cliches. Also, the dream within the dream, even before uh, uh, John, uh, Christopher Nolan comes around. It's it's a cliche yeah. or it was all a dream or the lost sock in the dryer was another big one that it's like, don't do that. Stop that. that. We're all good. doing that. Yeah, it's Dallas. Some Dallas magical did sock. The, it was all a dream thing there. They, yeah. they really were the pioneers there on that entire season. Um, <laughs> Bob Newhart or the Newhart show. Oh, too, that's right. It? That's right. Yep. At the end. Yep. That was amazing. And Super Mario Brothers, too. Oh, I, yeah. I, you know what? I didn't I, see that. I, I, it's a cliche, but you can use it effectively. It's just, and that's what they want to teach you. And that, that that goes for any creative endeavor. It's like you can rely on those old chestnuts, but make it your own, make it clever, uh, and make it, 
you know, make it actually tell the story, not just throw it in there. Because usually people would do that when they're out of ideas. Because <laughs> we were under pressure every every other weekend to produce. Uh, well, there's uh, uh, five films throughout the semester you have to produce uh, of your own, and then they would show the films in class. And uh, yeah, you, you know, you're you're running and gunning. That's also part of the training. And uh, you'd run out of ideas like, oh, my gosh, when, well, I have no story for this week. So it's all a dream. <laughs> or <laughs> So you're, you're, the pot, your career is kind of like a rebellion against that teacher who said to not rely on dialogue because you have no pictures now. <laughs> no, it's a, well, yeah, it's a different, uh, totally different medium. But what, you know, I've learned so much, though, about uh, uh, story structure. And, of course, we, you could consider us a nonfiction podcast and that we, we – uh, we attempt uh, true stories. Oh, but There's you have such a- fun sound design in the, you know, you yeah, it, in the narrative. It, it, I, I love the sound design and the setup and everything, the cold opens and that's really. It, that, yeah. Thank you very much. It, I mean, it adds to uh, the theater, the mind aspect, and it also adds to production value, which Scott and I, uh, we've from the beginning stressed because we're former media editors uh, in various fields. And ooh, I just thought about this the other day. It's also uh, ironic, I guess, because, we you could consider us a very long form uh, type of show with hours for each episode. But uh, Scott used to edit commercials, and I used to edit trailers, which is which are both very short form. You have to tell the whole story, get an inkling of it within you know with Scott's thirty seconds uh, or fifteen second cut down. Uh, a, a movie trailer is two minutes and two seconds. And uh, that's the long form for us, but we also did uh, 30 second cut down. So you have to be able to really throw out what's not needed, hit the right elements. And we don't do that at all now. We just <laughs> include everything, every, anything we want to talk about. I'm so glad you guys brought up the filmmaking stuff because I know you're both in media before and well now too, but uh, you know, I've heard you guys talk about editing trailers and commercials. Can you guys name some that you've done that I can look up? Cause I would love to watch some. Uh, let's see. I just muted my mic because my dog was going crazy. It's still happening. I, um, you know, it's funny. I worked, when I started out as an assistant editor, I worked on some really, really high profile stuff. And then as I moved up and became an editor, it got lower and lower profile. (laughs) (laughs) Because the whole like market was collapsing. Like as an assistant editor, I, I worked on the Michael Bay's famous uh, Aaron Burr Got Milk Spot with the peanut butter uh, when he's like, Aaron Burr. I don't, you know, so that's an easy one to find. Classic. Um, yeah. I worked on a bunch of stuff that David Fincher did for Heineken. Oh, um, wow. I worked on stuff for um, God, music videos for Madonna and you know Coke commercials and Levi's. And I think – the, and then uh, Budweiser horses, which was a Super Bowl spot where the horses all lined up and kicked the football. And like Stan Winston made a oh yeah horse leg, so that was all. But that was all assistant editor stuff, which I did too long because my bosses were so successful and they didn't want and they loved me because I was a really organized assistant editor. So they never gave me squat. I was just always, you know, loading and organizing their footage, and then they would sit with the client for two hours and they would go home and leave me to essentially do the edits. <laughs> but I couldn't put them on my reel because it was their stuff. So that was all like that stuff. And then later on I cut, um, I cut things and you might've seen some of them, but you know what there's, I have, I don't know if it's still up actually. I have a reel up. I have a website that I maintain. <laughs> Let me see. Invisible cuts. There. Yeah. Scott. Yeah. That Did my, it? that a friend of mine may, yeah, it's yeah. If you go to invisiblecuts.com, because that was my last freelance website, and you click on work, 
you'll see one, two, three, four, five, 10, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 spots. Actually, one okay. of them is a music video I did for Ben Folds. Oh, wow. And that was directed by Weird Al Yankovic. That was a lot of fun. But there, that's some of my okay. fun, kind of fun stuff I did towards the end. That was some incredible. You, Stan Winston. That was some incredible name drop. <laughs> well, it was, I was, that's what I'm saying. It was really excited when I got started. And then like I spent years, I really, st I started out as a tape runner delivering tapes and uh -huh. you know, you don't, it's not even a job that doesn't even exist anymore. And going to do satellite uplinks where you'd have this 15 minute window to get a tape into a machine so they could play it through the satellite to New York. <laughs> and if you missed the window, the company was out like three grand oh. and just like all this, and it was really fun and it was a lot of money and all that and very rock and roll and all these people were coming into our shop. You know, Spike Jones was in all the time because he was directing a lot then, and um, and he was dating Sofia Coppola. It was very, very exciting. And oh, then, <laughs> then like a, you know, yeah. And the lunches brought in were spectacular. Lunches and and Tommy Lee and uh, Pam Anderson, you know, and with okay, his like multiple right. fifths right. of Jack. <laughs> um, it was crazy. Uh, Michael Bay, not a nice person. I'll tell the I'll, I'll say oh, no, I used to not oh, want to say that, that did, on the, you just ruined our movie chances. Yeah, I know. We're just there's no shot now. Uh, for, you know, for, for bad boys four. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, that could have been us. But uh, he, uh, yeah, not a fun person. But then, but then, you know, it was cool. It was a cool place to be at the time, and I got to experience a lot of really cool stuff. And I think the podcast, from a production standpoint, and I think this goes for both of us, but it, like it wouldn't be what it is had I not had all that time in the trenches with like, you absolutely cannot make a mistake. Everything must be che checked. Everything must be as clean yeah. and as slick as possible. And so, you know, that definitely helped. And in terms of now we've been at it six years, there's also a whole uh, management element to all the old shows and hard drives and all that. And all of that is just, I don't even think about it. Cause that's how I started was managing a vault with film and mm. all kinds of stuff in it. Cause so. isn't it so much easier now? Everything yes. Just yes. It well, it, it's, it seems that way. And that's, what's interesting about media and that uh, it, it, there's a lot of factors to it in that, uh, you know, back, when Scott and I started and, and I was a uh, little older than him uh, getting started in the, in the business, you know, it was all analog. So you're using uh, videotape, uh, beta SP formats, uh, you know, you're editing linearly, which means uh, it's like laying down actually film. If you make a change at the beginning of the of the video, you have to re-edit or re-record everything that comes after that. So any changes you make, uh, it takes a little longer and then uh, here's here's the interesting part is that it's it's like uh, somebody just references to as to having junk in your house. It's like you will fill up the space uh, no matter what it is. If you're if you're in a studio apartment, you will you know load that up with tchotchkes. And <laughs> then if you ever move into a house, you know that what that's one or two rooms. You you then eventually fill up the rest of the house. So in regards to editing. Uh, you know, we always thought like, wow, when it goes uh, computer digital and nonlinear, meaning, you know, it's, it's just uh, it's just ones and zeros. You can move anything around. You can you can play back uh, temporary cuts. You don't have to build anything anymore and wait for that. We'll be out of here by 5 p.m. Because normally with trailer editing, we were there till like, you know, routinely 9, 10, 11, 12 uh, p.m. midnight. Uh, later than that, and uh, that was every night you're working. And we thought, oh, this will this will really speed things up. And then, what you find out is that, well, that freedom 
allows you so many more choices. That, to yeah, make. that's the bad part. And then it's just like, well, let's see this 25 different ways now. Yeah, well, now know, that we have this extra time. And Forrest, you have to tell me this. Of course, you were at a pretty big shop, but like, um, sorry, I don't know. I, sorry, I keep checking my meters. I'm kind of blown out and I, I shouldn't be. You um, look good on my end, but I was blown okay. out. I still kind of am. I usually do this talk to my boss and he can't hear that well. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> right. I think, <laughs> okay. yeah, I think I might have hit the wrong there. Okay. I turned it up on my headphones. All right. So. Um, I was just going to say, I, Forrest, you have to tell me if this is true or not, but I, I only worked on like two movie trailers and I was an assistant editor on both of them. But the thing that I remember being shocked about was that they were competitive. It, you didn't have the bid. We had to cut the trailer and then we took it in along with three or four other companies and they oh. only they only paid the one that they liked. That's was that crazy. how it was for you? Yeah. Well, well the, the usual routine, and I'm not sure, I'm sure it's the same probably, I would imagine, is that- Because uh, of the commercial, you're getting paid when you're, do, you're getting paid. Like you, yeah, you've been booked. They've seen, they know what you can do. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, the funny thing about uh, Scott would always tell me, and it's just, it's funny because we do that to each other. Uh, It's like, and I've had to fight for every creative decision and we pitch stuff to each other all the time. And uh, the, the, you know, the, again, it's all comes back to human behavior. The dumb thing is like, you know, Scott would have this awesome car reel, like just (laughs) the slickest car commercials or whatever uh, that he's worked on. It's like, yeah, but have you done a truck commercial? (laughs) It's just, it's a vehicle. It just, you put it in the mud now. It's like, it's just the, the cuts are the same. So you have people doubting you, but when it comes to uh, bidding for a trailer, usually the way it works and we, our, our company worked, uh, I've worked in a few companies. One uh, starting off was dedicated basically to Disney. And so, uh, but that was for their live action. Uh, there was another shop called Craig Murray. They did all their animation trailers. So we, uh, New Wave Productions, which may be still around, uh, they we did all their live actions. So back in the day when they had uh, Hollywood Pictures and Touchstone, uh, we would do the trailers for them. And so what Disney would do is uh, they would pay for uh, a round of 10 spots for a campaign. Uh, so say if it was... Uh, uh, Blaze or uh, uh, what was the other one? Oh, jeez, uh, uh, the one of the Bill Murray about Bob. What about Bob? I think. That's the, <laughs> yeah. That is the name of it. Oh, that. I love yeah. that movie. Is it, what, what about yeah, Bob? Yeah, so great, they, yeah, so there are tons of movies, uh, cocktail, all these Holly, uh, you know, Hollywood pictures. What they would do is they will pay you a flat rate to, to produce 10 spots. Now that oh. gives them the choice, they can either can those, and it's like, we didn't like any of them, start over, we'll pay you again. Or they can uh, pick one to buy, and then you'll work on that one. You'll refine it. They'll come in with their uh, their changes and stuff. So, yes, oh, they pay okay. for a round of 10, uh, but they'll also put it out to shop with other houses usually. So sometimes there are a few other competitors. You're not guaranteed. Yeah, that's what uh, I remember. You, you are, so you are paid for your work, but, uh, but boy, Disney, is as great as they are, they will work you into the ground, and, and uh, the – the the other the plus side of that is that they'll throw as much money at you as they possibly can, and they're loaded with it. So, it uh, Scott was talking about satellite windows. I remember this famous case. Uh, they were going to do uh, it was Good Morning Vietnam, uh-huh. and uh, they had the whole campaign lined up, and it was ready to launch, which means the spots are cut, they're finished, uh, they're ready to air. They have to then be beamed out for distribution uh, via satellite. Yes, this was you could and, not send high quality masters just for the kids listening. Yeah, you couldn't send a high quality master over the internet at this point. It would take two months for the file to get there. Right. So right, you had to send it on a satellite, and you had to buy the window when the satellite was, you know, there. So, right. Yeah. So some some executive at Disney thought like, you know what, I, I'm not sure I like this campaign. Like it's done already. <laughs> you can't change anything like yes they can because they're disney so yeah. the motto there was if you don't kill them 
if you don't come in on Sunday, don't come in on Monday, <laughs> which means you yeah. better be, at, we're going to throw a bunch of money at you, but you better be at our beck and call. They canceled that whole campaign. And it was like a, like a week before Christmas, I think. And they called, ex- executives were vacationing with their families in the Bahamas. Nope, get on a plane right now. Everybody comes back. Get back right into the studio as soon as you land. And they had to redo yeah. it all. And it was so much money, but they just paid it. So that's the power uh, uh, of the mouse, as they say. Yes, because souls are not important. Money is important. Your soul is not important. Yeah, you're, <laughs> well, you will die in the editing chair. <laughs> there was, well, there was a, that was uh, so when you work on trailers, and certainly I was still an assistant at that point, and then uh, eventually learned how to edit well enough that uh, uh, I worked at some other places. But it's a very collaborative, uh, maybe more so than commercial editing. It's a very collaborative process, and that you'll have a uh, you can have a producer which comes up with the ideas and the shots after looking at all the footage, and it's really rough footage at this point. That's the and, easy part, uh, by the way, of being the producer on the trailer. Well, there's there's a fun aspect to it, which gets ruined immediately. So <laughs> it's very creative the first time. It's like, yeah, we're, we're going to choose the best clips from the movie, uh, maybe set up some jokes if they're in there, but not give too much away. Also, and that's, it's a that's real challenge when the movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, well, I, I can true. tell you a, a little secret is that uh, if uh, – if it's a comedy, you're having a trick, people. and <laughs> and it's not great. You've just seen the best jokes of the whole oh, movie. Yeah. How yeah. many shows have you seen where the trailers were better than the movie? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. there's people yeah. people say that all the time. Here's a little a uh, little bit of backstory. So, Gross Human Anatomy was a Matthew Modine film, which was a you know young serious young doctors kind of movie, and uh, it just didn't test well. People were like, yeah, it's okay. You know, not great. Uh, and it had a few bits of, uh, you know, dark humor in it or, or uh, you know, but that just blew the minds of the executives. They're like, oh my gosh, this thing's not working. We have to repackage this. It, uh-huh. It's going to be a comedy now. It's like, this is not a comedy. Like, who do you do it? So they picked out every pratfall and and goofy thing in the movie and put sound effects like, boy, oh, 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 you know, oh, yeah. whoop, and slide. Seriously, there, I think there were slide whistle things. Wow. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is now just a, 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 a horrible example of too many chefs spoiling the soup. Wasn't there some musical where they like either they either took out all the songs or then it wasn't working and they put in songs? I can't remember. Like, I'm not surprised. Kid, I can't. Like, this yeah, was I, like 10 years ago. I remember. I can't remember that. Yeah. Kangaroo Jack, they like added that animated sequence to get kids to go because it was such a bad oh, movie. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it, that was the whole trailer was an animated thing. So people brought their kids and it was like. Someone like did drugs and had a trip. <laughs> That's what that enemy. Oh <laughs> dear, yeah, that happens all the time. And then sometimes uh, people do fight for stuff. And and I get it with movie marketing executives. It's it's not an easy thing. They know movies inside and out. But I would say, as far as uh, creative storytelling. That's not their bag, really. You know, they they know how they know everything about selling a movie, uh, the best times to release it up against certain other films, times of the year, mm-hmm. marketing strategies, all that. But they have uh, a bit of a struggle when it comes to the narrative and the story portion and uh, all the other stuff that really goes into making a movie. And I remember one that uh, Michael Douglas produced that uh, he was uh, really behind it because he he. He was emotionally attached to the story, and it was Radio Flyer. That's another one that I, a campaign yeah. that I worked on, and it has to do with child abuse. And it's a really heartwarming, touching story about two two little boys, brothers, 
escaping into a world of fantasy because their home life is terrible. Oh, gross human anatomy? No, no, no. That was a radio fly. That was, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the other one was an escape into, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I see. Always make notes. Uh, you know, but the studio was like, oh my gosh, you know what? Uh, parents aren't going to want to see this. Kids aren't going to want to see this. How do we market this thing? And they were just torn up uh, and, it was only because, again, you have a powerful person like Michael Douglas saying, "Like, no, this is an important film. I feel, you know, figure it out." We'll and we, as a uh, trailer company, uh, there were some other cuts provided. Again, we worked with another uh, company, which is rare, but they they did a cut that uh, it's one of those things too. Uh, familiarity breeds contempt, so they didn't like anything that we did. Yeah. But this indie shop did this really heartwarming trailer. Uh, that had uh, just sweeping music to it and not a lot of VO, which was unheard of uh, back in the day. It's like they would never accept that from us. But since it was an indie and it wasn't us, they like, oh, my gosh, this thing's great. You guys copy what this per- what this shop did. It's uh-huh. like, OK, uh, so we did. But it, it, and it's fine. But like they yeah, they're so torn up, as you can see today about uh, they're very conscious. There's so much money riding on things that uh uh, sometimes they don't know what to do and it comes out a mess. Well, if you're just joining us, I'm talking to Scott and Forrest, and we're actually going to talk about uh, the controversy in the Bachelor episode with Oh yes, Chris Harrison's comments. I forgot to mention that in the beginning. But yeah. before we get there, before we get there, I have another okay. random question because my sponsor. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Got it. You guys know how. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if I think we'll go. Scott will go you first again. Uh, if you could convince everyone in the world to do one thing at one point in time, what would that thing be? Everything, everyone in the world to do one thing at one point in time. Yeah. Let's see. They don't have to do it all at the same time. To get, like It's not like everyone jump on the earth this time. <laughs> no, because that's immediately where I was going with something like that. Oh. Um, <laughs> Oh, you can't. Even there could be some. I mean, there could, we could get a lot done if everyone did one thing. At I once. think if everyone went outside on the whole planet and yelled "Hey!" as loud as they could, and then you could just listen and see if you could hear the whole planet say. Then Horton oh, could hear us finally. Yeah, exactly. Horton could hear us and save us from from uh, being uh, blown away in the wind or whatever they were going to. They're going to put us well, in a hot thing of oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Scott. Yeah, those are pretty awful. <laughs> Don't you remember, though, that childhood story? Uh, I, it was a standalone story. I can't remember who wrote it. If it was somebody famous, uh, O. Henry or, or whatever. But I, I remember being uh, read that story in uh, you know grade school, like first or second grade. And that was the whole premise is that this, uh, you know, this young prince who ruled over everything uh, decided, I'm going to have all of my subjects all at once come outside and make as much noise as possible because oh that's that's the setup is that it was a very noisy kingdom everyone was banging pots and pans uh you know and it, it, it was so loud and noisy the, the young prince loved uh loved noise so that he ordered his subjects to everybody's going to make noise all at the same time at you know when i give the signal and what happened was is that uh, and yes scott this is a spoiler <laughs> but you'll ne- you'll never go back and hear, uh, read the story. Uh, what happened is that at that moment, everybody was silent because they wanted to hear the great noise that would be made. And so when everybody stopped making noise, the prince realized, oh my gosh, just silence and nature, that's lovely. 
why don't we do this all the time <laughs> and stop making noise? So the so two that things the, we've learned here yeah. is that I've plagiarized Dr. Seuss with my idea. And secondly, it's a horrible think, idea. Yeah. From the other story, it's a horrible idea that no one's going to do. It's like the costume party. Yeah. I'm going to be the well, only still, one that yeah. shows up. I, well, I still want to hear it. In sure. a costume. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, can I go back to a callback I had written down? Yeah, go for sure. it. I was going to say, Invisible Cuts, how'd you get that website? From Taylor Swift's album. All right. <laughs> <laughs> she probably, they probably tried to buy it. They were like, oh, this guy, they didn't even bother emailing me. They're like, he's never going to sell. He's going to want fine. $5 he's, million dollars for this. Why are they sitting on these still? Um, Forrest, what, what, what would you want everyone to do at once? Uh, well, once, well, at once. <laughs> everyone in the world to do one thing at one point in time. Uh, geez, you know what popped into my mind that because we we're talking about movies is I just remember one line from uh, Diane Keaton in the Woody Allen movie uh, Love and Death uh, came out in 1975, and uh, of course you know it's it's a satire on Russian literature, uh, which Woody Allen liked, and and uh, so there's a lot of funny philosophical discussions in the movie. And I think they were talking about the you know the nature of uh, of reality and and God and uh, Woody Allen's uh, worried about something, and Diane Keaton says, "Hey, if everybody in the world went out and all bought cheese blintzes at the same time, there'd be chaos." But people don't. So I was like, "I want everybody to go out right now and, and go buy a a, a cheese blintz, and uh, you know, take out, of course, support your local businesses, your shops that are struggling, and uh, just go out and order something, and, and let's see what happens." Yeah, and then everybody ends up with a, a tasty snack. Um, the- that's a great segue to our subject with bringing up Woody Allen. But I have to ask another question. Sure. Yeah. So it's Woody just, Allen's a hot no, potato please. right now. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what, what? Uh, there's a new documentary out, uh, and he's getting raked over the coals again. From Okay. The, uh, Let me, uh, <clears throat> you know, remind uh, me to, to our, our running a Google Doc on uh, what's on what who and you who's can been talk canceled. About and who you can't. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so my answer would be everyone should at one point write a love letter. Oh, I feel like I like that. You know, I just feel like a lot of people don't do that. Oh, that's so that's a, you know what? That's an interesting. So yeah. Speaking of movies, uh, I've been trying to get Scott to watch it. I think it's a great movie, uh, especially around Valentine's Day is uh, the movie Her. Oh, speaking yeah. of Spike, Spike Jones yeah. and uh, 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 Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, in, that's kind of a future production in that in the future, people will get back to writing letters to each other. And so yeah. he works at a, at a shop that uh, drafts beautifully composed letters for people that you, you just pay him a service. And, and uh, <laughs> I think that's a, what a great idea. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I love the idea of people getting back to sending old fashioned and meaningful communications to each other. Well, don't you uh, guys, to, isn't the mail different during the pandemic? Like when you get the mail now, like don't, I mean, I just feel like the mail is when you get a good piece of mail or a letter, it's like way more exciting. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, you're, cause you're isolated. You're, it's a, it's a message in a bottle from the outside world. And you're, not, you're not like coming home from work and you're not like, you know, grabbing the mail, like on your way. In. Like you have like a minute. Oh, is that your new doggy? Yes. That's Nixie. Who, <laughs> She's my like, wife is going Mom to pick our son up from the bus stop. So this is Nixie who cannot be trusted to be left alone downstairs while I'm up <laughs> Oh dear! We'll God. watch her behind you while you're yeah. <laughs> okay. Chill out. <laughs> are they? Are your dogs getting along? I know you mentioned they were getting along better now. You have- yeah, it's so they're tolerating each other. I mean, the long and short of it is, is that the little one is uh, older and she doesn't want to play, and this one's a, very much a puppy, and all she wants to do is play, and she's kind of rough and tumble too. She's yeah, yeah, <laughs> spastic. So 
and yeah. heavy and twice the weight of the other. So <laughs> she looks, she's like behaving so well right now. Yeah, she's. I don't believe anything she's saying. She's an angel. She's confused. Yeah. yeah. Why is dad? What is dad talking into a flat piece of glass floor? <laughs> yeah. Do you think dogs right. are like why? Why do humans look at rectangles all day? Well, you know, it's funny. Fortunately, <laughs> we already talked about this once, but the my other dog will not look at, will purposefully do everything in her power to avoid looking at a screen if you're trying to show yeah. her or take a picture. She, however, watches TV. Yeah, and will look Weird. at stuff. So, so sorry, that's my alarm telling me to go to the bus stop, but my wife's going. So, oh, well, yeah. uh, okay. That was that'd be another great segue, but I, this one actually, I do have some actual real questions, but I got to get this last. Um, yeah, hey, but this is fun. They, Please. they pay me by the question, so just, okay. I'm just, I, I apologize. Uh, and I'm let's, in debt let's, to them. I'm in debt because <laughs> <laughs> let's put another hundred bucks in your pocket. Uh, this one actually, I like this one. Uh, Force will go with you first. What? Why are mm-hmm. humans so confident in beliefs that can't be proven? Hmm. Great question. Uh, why, do you mean why are they confident in their own belief that something is true when it can't be proven? They just send me the question. I don't know. It's okay. All right. You're not going to get philosophical about it. Uh, well, yeah, it, that's we deal a lot with that in our subject matter, in our genre. And it's uh, you're certainly seeing it now played out in the on the national and global stage in the news and not just America. It's everywhere. I, I watch a lot of international news and. You can see it uh, with uh, with politics and the pandemic and what people uh, hear about. And they want to believe. And then uh, even uh, it's like with conspiracy theories, even if some things turn out not to be true, they double down on it because uh, belief is it's one of the core principles of what our podcast is about in that. Yeah, you go by personal experience to some degree. Uh, you go by what you've uh, read or heard or uh, has come across uh, your your readings and your research, and you that's how you form your beliefs. And I think why people stick with them so much is that it really is a signifier and identifier of who you are as a person. It really defines you. Our beliefs define us, no no doubt about it. And but it's a much more core part of that. Uh, it's not only, you know, I believe, yes, it's what you do defines you uh, as a person. And it's not your past. And now I'm stealing, stealing a line from uh, Total Recall. <laughs> Total Recall. Oh, I thought, I thought that's from uh, Quato. No, I believe it was when uh, Quato, uh, Quaid, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, has uh, as a meeting with Quato, the uh, the rebel leader, who's also psychic and a uh, and a sage, and uh, you know uh, it's a fascinating concept in that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has been implanted with a new persona and memory, uh, and you know it causes problems. Like I I was a horrible person. I worked for the 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 evil guys, the bad guys, and Quato says it's it's not uh, who you were, but it's who you are now that matters you can you can change but and it also speaks to belief as a defining thing and that's how we identify ourselves especially to others but more importantly to ourselves what you know i i worry about people who don't believe in anything <laughs> like they have yeah. no opinions on anything it's not only are they probably not that interesting but uh uh i think it's 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 also a safe position where you you have to stick your neck out to say you believe in something uh, getting back to the, our creative endeavors, uh, I tell Scott this all the time. I, mean, I know some 
you know, really close friends that are creative directors, and that's their job. They're taste makers.、Uh, they know art, they know、uh, film, music, and they use all that knowledge and their own sense of style and、uh, and creativity to draft the look of something we're working on.、Uh, but I know a f-、uh, quite a few. That you'll talk to them personally. It's like, hey, did you did you you know did you see that concert on PBS or whatever? Like, yeah, it wasn't that great. You know, this other thing is is much better. And、uh, it's like, okay, but that doesn't mean the first thing still wasn't really good and entertaining. Or you know,、yeah. same thing. Oh, that movie, the yeah, it was kind of blah, you know. Or this book wasn't great. And what I realized later on was that that's. The more safe position, because if everything sucks, well, your taste is so much better. It's so much more refined. It's a lot more. It takes a lot more bravery to stand behind something just because you like it. Maybe it's a guilty pleasure,、mm-hmm. uh, but to admit that to people is like, well, you like that? Like, yeah, I do, and and I don't care what you think if I if I do say I like it. All, so it's much easier to to poo poo something and and say that's terrible and you know how can you watch that or how can you eat that or why do you even like that? It's like、uh, you know that's the safer position and it's we see that with skepticism too. To to say that you don't believe in something and that's fine logically if it doesn't make sense,、uh, you can believe in whatever you want. But、uh, there are some people who who only believe what's right in front of them, and that's the safe thing because to extend your belief into something that can't be proven and maybe is way out there, and other people might give you that sideways glance and roll their eyes, that takes a little bit of bravery. So people who don't like the my and I'm done with my diatribe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's the、uh, it, look. There's you, there's no accounting for taste. We we get so many. You'll go crazy trying to chase it. it. It's everybody has a preference for one thing or the other. They,、uh, you know, we get a lot of emails saying like, "Hey, I don't want to hear anything about your new news or what's coming up or what's in your merchandise store." Just tell me, you know, what is this Skinwalker thing? I heard the the name. Just tell me what it is in about thirty minutes. That's all the time I got.、Uh, we've had people say like, you should you should trim your podcast down to twenty seven minutes. It was a very specific number because that's the time of their commute.、Oh, so、yeah. they they get on you know the train or whatever, and at the end of that, when they get step off and and walk up to the building. That's when they're done with the podcast, and that's how they long they want it to work. And it's like, look, you you can hit pause, you can come back later,、uh, but everybody has an expectation of having everything, especially nowadays. I think of everything tailored to exactly the way they want because we have so many choices.、Uh, getting back to things being digital, and you can have your ca- tastes catered to. And I kind of blame、uh, the corporate world too because they've made it that way. Have it your way at Burger King. Uh, you know, take off one pickle.、Uh, we'll do all that. Yeah, <laughs> Forrest is taking it back to the root right now. No, and that's and that's fine. It's, like, Come it's on, like, it's it's gonna be capital riots. Yeah, Burger King. Yeah, <laughs> it is a direct connection. It, it, there is a line of belief and having it your way and having the world exactly as you want it. But guess what? It's not working that way. <laughs> There are things that you can't explain. There are things that are going to upset yeah. you. Yeah, if yeah. you want a burger the way you want it, make it yourself. Yeah, at home. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right. You're complaining about something that's free. You just got a free burger, like meh. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like it. Well, <laughs> that's fine, but、uh, nobody needs、oh, your letters.、Yeah, <laughs> I'm not、true. saying that about us. To, you know, we we appreciate、uh, constructive criticism. It it, it helps fine tune the show, but. Uh, you know, Scott will tell you this with、uh, his wife being in entertainment and, and a great comedy writer. 
is people will uh, walk up and you say like, yeah, that last show, that sucked. It's like, thanks. Is that, is that adding anything? Do you, can, do you know why you don't like it? No, I don't really know. I just, I just didn't like it. You know, or it, ran, it ran too long, too many notes. It's yeah. I, it's, I have a question. It's Wolfgang. Yeah. I have a question on that too. Um, Scott, did you want to answer that one or did you guys share that answer? We're sharing. We can share that one. I'm going to call yeah. it on that one. Well, cause I got, okay. I have a good one okay. that I want to ask you. All right. Cause I don't think I've heard you guys talk about, well, of course not. I don't think, but what's the weirdest conversation you've eavesdropped on? Eavesdropped on. Yeah. Like overheard. I mean, what's the weirdest thing you've heard? Uh, it's, it's NSFW. Um, the, I mean, super NSFW. Oh, we're yeah. not. No one's work. I mean, we don't even work anymore. Um, I. But also, just in terms of our show image, I don't think I can share this story. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Can you change it? Can you alter it? Like, can you talk in the terms of bunnies and turtles? It'd be a lot less weird, I think. Um, now I can't get this story out of my head. Uh-oh. Oh, what is it, Scott? Give me a clue. Uh, it was, uh, you know, my wife and I went to a bar one night in Pennsylvania. We were in a, we had purchased a house, uh, or we're trying to purchase a house. And it was, that was on the Delaware river for a getaway house, a little cottage type deal from New York city. And that night the river had its second air quotes, 100 year flood in two years. (laughs) Water flooded the house. We were going to buy on the day we were supposed to close um and so we watched it flood to be real sure that we were like got back out of the deal and then we went to a hotel to because it was like late and we didn't want to drive back to new york and we were like you know let's just go and we were at this hotel bar having drinks and uh, being sad about not getting the house and also being out our deposit Ooh. and there was a couple of folks at the bar forrest have you heard this story I don't know if you have. Uh, you may have told anyway, me this was, one a long time ago, but uh, but I, I I will listen to all of his stories over and over again because he has great ones. Two unlikely yeah. companions. Yeah, uh, two unlikely folks that you wouldn't imagine uh, necessarily wanting to spend time together from different walks of life in every way. Um, were struck up a conversation that led to offerings of very strange behavior from the male person in the conversation, which the female person uh, took him up on and they went up to a room. So, oh, so it's a, it's a pee thing. Was it pee thing? Uh, no. Oh, my uh, goodness. No, it was oh, I thought not. The flooding, I thought the flooding was... Like, we're, we're already to the <laughs> point where a, I don't water think theme. I can cross-promote this uh, appearance right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, I'll tell you guys off the air. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. It's, that's really, it, a, I'm trying to think of something else weird. I've eased because I've been around a lot of weird conversations. Um, and, but I can't think of, um, a lot of them are though, like eavesdropping, eavesdropping and comp, like where the people knew you were there, but they expect you to keep their secrets. So that's like, well, I yeah. guess you can't share that one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Forrest, well, what's yours? Mine is lame. Please repose the question, if you would. Oh, it's what's the weirdest conversation you've eavesdropped on? 
Oh, uh, well, I'll tell, I'll tell you one thing. It's, uh, again, it's, uh, Scott and I are students of human behavior and, uh, I, I love it, but, uh, you notice weird things about, uh, just people. I will say this about eavesdropping. I mean, I had a, um, uh, I had a former upstairs neighbor who, let's say, uh, she liked to party all the time. Party all the time. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, it's a great the, track. Yes. And maybe he was, uh, he, maybe he'd written that song about her. I'm not sure. But it went on. I mean, a party of hers would last, uh, start Thursday night and end uh, Sunday morning. And throughout, there would be the low thumping of house beats. Oops, uh-huh. oops, oops, oops. You know. So, uh, yeah, that was not great. But you, you think like I, I would imagine some people. Uh, this person also was a uh, a party host, or they they would host uh, club nights, and uh, so that was her world. And you would think like, oh, what an interesting person. I, not me, but but other other people who would see her lifestyle, like, oh my gosh, you're meeting celebrities and hanging out and partying all these hot clubs in L.A. And uh, so I will, what I will say is she also talked very loud. So I heard a lot of her conversations or she would invite a bunch of people over and I'd hear them talking. And when you're not involved, when it doesn't concern you, it's the most boring thing in the world. Uh-huh. It's just, they're just talking about drivel, you know, and it, it, it means something to them. I, I understand that, but uh, it's uh, when you're, and again, I didn't want to eavesdrop. I can't, Unless I put on music or headphones, I can't not hear it. Uh, yeah, uh, some parts of it. If you and change so a little it's bit just of like, the story around. It sounds like some of our reviews, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> just lots of <laughs> lots of drivel. Uh, but at least there's not there's a hear point. It. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, and also we're including all the audience in this, so yeah. that we we try to be very inclusive. But and that was the point: is that uh, it just uh, none of it was interesting. It's just babble and noise and. Uh, uh, certainly nothing, uh, you know, it wasn't like listening to, uh, the Dalai, the Dalai Lama yeah. talking to Bill Murray. Okay. That's, it's not that level of conversation. Most people have nothing great to say. Uh, but the weirdest thing, um, a lot of times you'll, uh, I would say I haven't really heard any weird, uh, conversations that I can remember, but, uh, sometimes you'll hear snippets said by people that you wish you heard more about. And yeah. one of my favorite stories is uh, getting back to USC. One of uh, my work study supervisors, who was probably in his mid thirties at the time, he was at a bar and he had to just, it's a great little snippet anecdote. He was, uh, I, I can't remember. They were at this old, at this bar. He was walking by uh, this uh, older uh, African-American gentleman uh, telling a story to somebody else. And, you know, he didn't want to eavesdrop, but he's getting his drink. He's walking by and the uh, 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 this old gentleman says uh, he's saying something kind of really emphatically, and he said, "And that's what Jesse Owen told me." <laughs> Jesse Owen, the nineteen thirty four Olympics uh, yeah. winner that shamed Hitler. It's like, wait, 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 what? What? What did he say to you? <laughs> he's like, what, what? What was that so important? Like, and of course, he's not part of the conversation, and he didn't want to stop there. He's that would be rude, so he just kept walking. Gosh, I wish he'd. I wish he'd said what, uh, or I'd heard what uh, Jesse Owen had told him. Jesse Owens. So, oh, yeah, I was going to say it's plural, uh, isn't it? Owens, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, Jesse Owens. So uh, just a phenomenal uh, figure in, in sports that somehow this guy knew. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I haven't heard, but I haven't heard anything uh, that's so strange other than, uh, you know, you, you'll hear snippets of people talking about uh, strange things and, 
you wonder if it's interesting, but my, this is my point is that most often, if you really knew exactly what they're talking about, it's not going to be that interesting to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I, and then that's the other thing is that people, like my friend said that about it, 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 you know, decades ago when he was uh, uh, touring through Italy and cell phones were a big thing. I know that's uh, hard to believe now. They but were? Like, they was, I mean, yeah, not smartphones, just people oh, okay. yapping so, on the yapping on the cell phone. Yeah. And, he, and 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 uh, in Italy, they uh, they love to chat and talk. And uh, you know, and he he understood a little bit of Italian. He was like, "It's always about pasta." It's just like, "What pasta do you want tonight?" I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wow. don't, and it was just it was just a just lot of it. It was about food and, and the drink. Or don't yeah. don't say no, I, what show we're from. Okay. I, look, I have yes. a, a couple of really good uh, friends uh, uh, oh, who are Italian. To add in. <laughs> and, I got uh, a lot yeah. of Italian friends. They all are like, <laughs> they all are like a pasta. I think it's, I think it's fine. My point being is that they'll tell oh, you that. Wow. And when I was visiting in Italy, that was a big conversation. Like, what should we have for lunch? What should we have for dinner? That's why people love Italy. It's just it's, it's la dolce vita. Yeah, wow. it's just uh, it's just good food. It's it's good drink. It's getting together with people. You don't talk. We never talked about work. Yeah, nobody ever asked you like, they oh, don't. what do you do for a yeah. living? Because they don't care. That's the first thing you ask in the U.S. is what, where do you work? What do you? Do? Yeah, yeah. Th that's exactly right. So mm. I have no uh, shame in that. They'll tell you that uh, themselves. It's like yeah, it's like uh, where can we go? That's uh, good food. Who's good? Who's going to make dinner tonight? And uh, that's who's why people love tonight? to visit. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was certainly there was pasta with every dish. So I love pasta. Uh, pasta is, it's its own course. Yeah, uh, my my friend, uh, yeah. She, so I was visiting That's him. All they talk oh, about. Oh, you would, yeah, you you would love <laughs> it. So, uh, yeah. So my friend Suzanne, who I went to visit uh, uh, in my one European trip, uh, her aunt, uh, who is also an aunt of some friends that are uh, here locally, uh, you know, she says she's going to make she wants to make us dinner. Um, so you have to tell her all the things you want. And I'm like, Ooh, I really love gnocchi. But, uh, she goes, yeah, I don't know. Don't don't Cause it takes so much work. And she was an older woman. So uh, that was my first home cooked Italian, mm -hmm. uh, older aunt meal. And it was a spread. And so awesome. she's, she brings out, you know, there's antipasta. I'm, I'm on a diet right now. This is killing me. <laughs> it was so good. I always remember this meal. But that was the thing. You know, on the table, there's always the same things. It's it's a, a big bottle of warm Coke. Uh, there's yeah. wine. You have your own bottle of wine. Uh, everyone does. It, it's, uh, you know, she's bringing out, uh, yeah, just cold cuts and olives and all these things. And that's just to get you started. And then there's a pasta course. And and I think she they knew I was American. She's like, don't fill up on this. There's going to be more. And because that's a meal to us. It's like, that's going to be. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how she sounded. I have no. Uh, and I would say that right in front of me. Zia Bruna. Zia Bruna would say, don't fill up on the pasta. So what happens is like, it, so you, it's like that would be our whole meal. Scott and I will eat giant plates of pasta and like, we're done. I'm stuck. That's my favorite. That's just a little food, bit. That's for sure. After the pasta, she brought out a whole platter of fried chicken. And after that, oh, there was, uh, and there was, wow. after that, there's salad, there's grapes, there's walnuts. It's a, it's a, a living life experience here. And I feel like uh, you're just mixing like, those foods in because you, wanted to not say the only because you had to deflect from the pasta no i'm telling you exactly that i i remember it so well uh you know it's, it's part of it's part, part of it's hospitality <laughs> 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 
Uh, you, you sound like one of my uh, friends over there. Yeah, that's uh, where's my Fiat? Go. <laughs> oh. Okay, yes. I don't even know what yeah. time it is. Are we okay on time? To- <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Look, yeah. Okay, I got, yeah, I've got about day. 15 minutes. Tonight. Okay, I oh. want to ask a question show related. And I don't really want to, but I'm having so much fun. But mm, okay, I have two. Well, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, now is, we have to hear them. Yeah, come, come on. on. No, yeah. I, I, it's not that it's bad. It's like, okay, so so if if aliens were proven to be true, proven like they were on Oprah or whatever shit, Letterman or whatever. <laughs> yes, right. Like, All of them are off the air. Bachelor, okay. Yeah. You're yeah. coming around to that, right? Yeah. So, now, now I'd watch. Yeah. I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to Chris Harrison in a minute. Okay, but, okay. 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 But if they were proved to be true, what what do you think that would do to people? But, you know, what would, how would the world change if they're proven to be true? Well, are they nice or are they mean? It's more so the knowledge of there is aliens. What would that do to you? Would that be scary to you? Would that be – what's going to um, be scarier, ghosts or aliens being truly real? That's what I want to get to. Ghosts or I – think, I think aliens because aliens can bring us exotic diseases and all kinds of problems <laughs> from other worlds, right? Yeah, uh, but they probably have an advanced medicine to cure that. So maybe they, uh, they do. They're probably, I don't know. No, War of the Worlds. They're probably more afraid of us giving them COVID. Yeah. yeah. No, well, then War of the what was War of the Worlds? What was it that killed them? It was something simple like the cold. Just right? uh, just a cold. human. Uh, well, in in uh, in the old movie, I remember as a kid, uh, and, and yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense logically, but uh, they get out. Of, they didn't get out of their ships until they did. They realized, oh, we can't breathe this <laughs> mixture of oxygen, and that killed them. In the Tom Cruise version, so they had the technology to get here, but not to analyze the. Yes, air. I know. See, that's why okay, I said it just makes like, sense. That's like yeah. signs. Yeah, they went to the water planet. Yeah. Hey, you're talking about H.G. Wells, okay? <laughs> like that's a concept uh, which was uh, brilliant for the time. Yeah, you know, no, you're talking awesome. about just uh, prior to the uh, turn of the century here. Uh, in even in the uh, Tom Cruise Steven Spielberg version, uh, it was just how dirty we are. It's like our, it's just our natural world's uh, biological uh, beasties getting them infected and they succumb to that. And you think like eh, they, they should have a probe. They should have known what was uh, what was out there. But it's the crux of the movie. So that's what uh, that does them in. And the metaphor, though, is early on as a Dakota fanning. Yeah, she she gets a splinter in her finger. And Tom Cruise, oh, here, let me take that out. And her dad says, let me get that out for you. She goes, no, no, it'll just, uh, nature will just work. It'll just push itself out Mm. when it's ready. That's the whole premise of the movie is that there's a balance to our worlds and them arriving either upsets that balance or they're part of the, you know, what I may believe is that they are part of this balance already. It's just that they're not really meant to interfere at this point. And that, but there are, they're, they're already doing little things here and there and have been since maybe we were first around. If you're really into the uh, Alexander Sitchin uh, translations of the, uh, the Sumerian tablets that. Uh, As we all are. Yes. And, and yeah. that, uh, I mean, I was just talking about that. Right. So, uh, you know, they formed us, uh, you know, uh, geez, I'm blanking on the name of the. Uh, Prometheus. No, the race of people. Well, that's, a, that's playing off of that as well, yeah. is that uh, we were created or uh, spores from another planets have, <laughs> uh, have seeded the human population. And, yeah. uh, you know, so it, it goes all over the place. But again, it comes down to personal belief. And there's some things that you probably just don't want to tell people. Or if you do, uh, it's probably best you didn't. So would you be, are you more afraid of aliens being real or ghosts? 
being real? Uh, well, I've uh, experienced ghosts myself or ghost activity. And uh, even when I was a little kid, my family, there was no question. Yeah. Uh, my mom saw a ghost when she was a little girl. Uh, it's just been an accepted fact that uh, it's nothing to question. Uh, we've grown, I, you know, my parents and all of my relatives, we've all believed in an afterlife and in a spiritual world. And so that's how I was raised. And that's, that forms my belief. And uh, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just, uh, it's something, uh, I think my dad told him, mean, I'm not sure how accurate this is as far as the translation or the, uh, uh, the relaying of it goes. But he told me uh, when I was a little kid, maybe to allay some fears that, you know, Edgar Casey would say, spirits are walking around us all the time. That's, we just can't see them and we're not really supposed to, but sometimes they fade in and out of our existence, but it's part of nature. It's part of our world. There's nothing to be afraid of. What's you can take heart in is that we don't die uh, permanently when we, when we pass this uh, mortal coil and that there is another place that we go to and that uh, the loved ones uh, that you miss now and your friends, you'll see them again one day somewhere else. So it was comforting. See, I don't. I'm not afraid of ghosts. I don't want to become a ghost. However, that happens. <laughs> I don't want well, to like be around for eternity. Like, what happens if the Earth goes away? Are you still floating around? I mean, uh, so those are all good questions. I I, I will say, but uh, I, you know, I think the idea. You know, if you're asking me what I believe about uh, the spirit world, is that not every we we as humans here consciously on Earth in this life, we want to be able to define and label everything because again, getting back to belief that gives us comfort, uh -huh. knowing that there are some rules and that everything happens to this the same to everybody. But I've come to believe that. People are in different phases. Some people have gone off. If you want to believe that's heaven or another plane of existence or somewhere else where everyone's gathered, uh, that happens to a lot of folks. Some people uh, who have a traumatic experience, as we've seen, are perhaps trapped in this uh, frequency that's just beyond our, our visual uh, awareness and, and our senses. Uh, and uh, I mean, the comforting thing there is that, oh, my God, it's eternity. I've, I've been a go I'm a devil ghost for 500 years, yeah. 600 years. Uh, to them, I don't think that there's any sense of time. Oh, okay. Is that uh, they 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 pop in? It's like, hey, look at these tourists. Uh, they think it's five minutes later, but like it's actually fifty years later. Uh, I don't think that uh, you know time is relative to our existence and our perception here. I don't think it has much uh, to do with stuff on the other side. You still haven't answered the question. You should run for office. You haven't answered the question. No, my question because of what Aliens I'm getting is like, if ghosts. <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, the ghost uh, part of it is uh, that's part of the explanation when it's as part of the question is that which one are you more afraid of? I'm not afraid of ghosts at all. I don't like to be spooked. I don't want things showing up in, in my bedroom at night. I have to sleep. Uh, it, it, it might be exciting. So we're looking for that experience. And uh, mm -hmm. but the concept doesn't scare me. It's kind of like I'm not scared of the concept of death or, or, or the thought of dying, but I don't want to die right now. I'd like to live a very full life, uh, experience all kinds of things in relation to. Yeah, what if you get stuck in a weird place as a ghost? What if you get stuck in like a. Uh, I think that I, my feeling is that a, uh, one eventually that will be resolved, but for it could be for the next few hundred years. There's certainly the people who do ghost hunting that uh, with mediums uh, who can, they claim that they can open up white light portals and and shuffle people off to the other side or wherever they're supposed to be. But a lot of times it's our own humanity that keeps us here. And that uh, there's a ghost, uh, the one famous story that Scott and I covered, uh, I think it was, it was somewhere in Mexico where there's a, 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 a bank president uh, who was a very important man, very, very, very uh, rich and powerful, very important. Uh, he died unexpectedly of a heart attack. He is 
uh, still seen at his desk signing papers. It's like, no, no, I, I got to get this work done. This is very important. Very he important. So, he was so just ingrained in that. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, it's that business. was the, the near-death shows. You were talking yeah. about that, right? That'd yeah. Be yeah. That would be horrible. Well, you don't. The thing is, you don't. You don't realize it. You're just kind of in a loop. Now, okay. getting to the question about aliens, uh, uh, I, I, I think they've already been here. It's not a matter of like when they get here. It's like there's evidence uh, of that uh, since the beginning. See, that's so, a, but are you scared uh, of them? Yeah. So you're scared of them is what you're saying. Well, it's it's geez. Now, if you get into alien uh, theory, let's say there's a lot of people, and certainly a few people that Scott and I very much uh, highly respect, uh, who have, uh, and have dealt with, uh, remote viewing who, uh, you know, have outlined, uh, this alien agenda. You could say that there are several races of aliens that we're interacting with. Uh, the most concise theory that I've, uh, or, you know, uh, hypothesis, you could call it, maybe not fully a theory, because uh, it's hard to prove, uh, other than their communications, they say, is that there are four main types of alien races. There's a bunch more, of course. It's uh, the, you know, how many species do we have on Earth? Uh, but there are four main that interact with us, and he listed it this way. There are some that uh, they are friendly to us and they want to help. There are some that are uh, indifferent to us and they don't really care what they do, but they keep an eye on us. Uh, there are some that... Uh, don't like us, uh, but they they'll let us be. They just want to keep us contained so we're not blowing up other things in the galaxy. Uh-huh. And then the fourth kind really don't that like us, sense, and actually. and they want to wipe us out. And so that's the scary that's the scary part. But the other ones are keeping them in check. So it, it gets really crazy and wild. I know, uh, but you know. So I think that there is uh, there are forces that we uh, at work here. That we don't know about and as far as being scared of it I, I think things will take the course they're always supposed to be yeah. i think uh i believe in a higher power and i believe uh, we are not the owners of this earth we are merely renters yeah uh there is a landlord uh so uh things will happen as they are meant to be and i just heard this on coast to coast a couple of nights ago after scott and i just did a session is that uh, uh somebody who is in this realm uh the, the question george nori posed to them is that do you think aliens uh, or they, would they stop a like a meteor from destroying Earth? And this person said, "Well, if it's meant to be a lesson for us, then they might not. If it's if it's something that's not meant to be part of our plan, then they would do something to avert that. Uh, dist- you know, the the Earth uh, extinction level event four uh, level of um, of destruction." Uh, for my own self, it's like, yeah, I'm not really, I don't want to be messed with them. I kind of maybe, Max, I'm on your, like, I don't want to be messed with them. I don't want to turn into an alien. I don't want <laughs> to uh, be a part of a hybrid experimental program. Who knows if any that's true? Uh, but as far as, I'm more scared of other people and and I, reacting, getting back to your original question that um, I, you know, I, I think people, most people are going to be okay with it. But look at, yeah, you want answers? Look at what's happening now with the pandemic. How do people react? Some people are like, to heck with this. I'm protesting. I'm going to burn down clinics. I'm going to riot in the street. I don't want any, uh, this is all baloney. I don't want any vaccine. I want it my way. <laughs> yeah. And then other people, most people get on board like, well, uh, look, and that's where Scott and I, but it's like, you know, th- this thing is, doesn't matter where it came from. Doesn't matter how it's, how, uh, uh, it started is that this thing is real. We've seen evidence of it in our own family. So, 
take it seriously. It's it's just common sense. But a lot of people don't agree with that. So when aliens land, it's going to be, you know, a lot of people are like, well, there you go. Aliens yeah. are here. Yeah. They're on TV. They're talking to uh, uh, they're at Oprah's ranch in Montecito. <laughs> Uh, having uh, alien tea. So, and then other people be like, this is baloney. It's still, you know, I don't care what I see on the, on the, uh, on the news. This is all baloney until they have their own personal experience. And that is the deciding factor for all of this. And that everything that we talk about, everything that's paranormal, uh, you may have a belief in it, but until you experience it yourself, you're never going to really know. And even, even then a lot of people don't know how to, what to make of it. And they yeah. shove that aside because it scares them. It is scary. Uh, just quickly though, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that I, I told Scott about this dream I had uh, two nights ago, uh, right before I woke up and it was not a prophetic dream. It was not a vivid or lucid dream per se, just a, a very memorable one where I was at my parents' house and uh, I was taking a bath and my mom comes into the bathroom. She's like, quick, you got to get out of the bath. The government is going to make this big announcement for the whole world. You have to yeah, get dressed. Uh, we got to hear this. It's going to be in a few minutes. Like, oh, okay. Uh, geez. All right. So I, uh, you know, get dressed, uh, throw on a robe. And uh, I, it was never said in the dream what the big global announcement was, but it was my understanding in the dream and now that it was going to be some kind of full disclosure exactly what you're talking about like aliens are here folks yeah. and uh mostly they're okay you know they're, they're some jerks like like us humans and but mostly they have our uh, best interests at heart and uh that's the reality now folks get used to it uh oh but by the way there's unlimited power for your uh your smartphone so don't <laughs> throw away your charger it happy. was going to be some big announcement and uh now here's here's the upsetting part is that like oh i wonder what that is and i was kind of excited and then I saw uh, in the dream my dad getting out of uh, – we have a uh, – my grandfather had a collection of old vintage uh, historical guns and stuff. So he's getting these guns out. And like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how people are going to react to this. Like uh, he's getting these guns out. It's like these things are like antiques and there's no bullets to go with them. <laughs> it's like – it's so you're rushing around like, well, where did grandpa keep this stuff? I don't know. And so we're kind of panicking. And then here's the scary. I could hear commotion out on the street. And maybe this had a little bit to do uh, like with the Capitol riots or something where people uh -huh. you know, outside of their offices can hear commotion and mm -hmm. banging. That may have been influenced by that. But I hear this commotion on the street and like young uh, street toughs and ruffians are outside and they're yelling and shouting. And then one runs up to our door and starts pounding on the door. And they're like, come on out. We know you're in there. Come on out. Time to come out. We're out here waiting for you and, and taunting us inside. And then I started to get worried. I'm here with my elderly parents and and I don't have a, a means of defense. And it's like it's going to be a few moments before they break down the door. And that's uh, part of the reasoning of that dream is that these people aren't really going to take this global message very well. And they're going to start rioting and forming roving gangs a la the road. I, I think you should take a break from the news because it sounds like you're worried about COVID. You're worried about the yeah. capital you're worried about. But uh, honestly, um, well, here's the thing, though. Honestly, I mean, Scott can tell you. Honestly, these things don't really bother me. It goes back to uh, you know, what, what about if aliens land? It's like, yeah, things. It's going to be what's going to be. Yeah. That's kind of my attitude in life. Uh, as the uh, uh, the eleventh uh, the eleventh century uh, uh, French rabbi Rashi says, receive with simplicity all that happens to you. It's like, I'm going to live by that. It's just, it's going to be what it's going to be. Just uh, uh, behave accordingly. Well, <laughs> Prepare. The rabbi is a great transition to finally 
Okay. Let's get to it. You're going to talk about medieval French uh, rabbis here. Well, actually, we're going to, if we could actually get to Chris Harrison, because. Well, you know, actually, I, it looks like I'm out of time, unfortunately. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I, I ate go. it all up, no, uh, as I usually yeah. do. I, if this were the, the podcast, we'd just, we'd put out a part two. Well, yeah, I'm just, uh, okay. you know, there's a pending ice storm, so I've got to go rescue my father-in-law <sighs> from a potential power outage. Um, so, uh, okay. unfortunately, I have to. Bail, and I'm really hey. disappointed. I had a lot to say about Chris Harrison, and uh, I don't. I feel <laughs> oh, like no. if, maybe if you'd have planned the show a little better, we could have we could have done that at the top. Yeah. Know. Oh my yeah. goodness. I just had to get through the sponsors. But yeah. Hey, I, yeah. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> okay. Coming on, it was a blast. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, absolutely. When well, you get your, well, I, I, yeah, I could be here for another three hours. <laughs> no, nobody wants that. I'm just saying. I'm just available. Uh, research who day. Up, who are you picking up, Scott? My uh, father-in-law. Okay, when you get them, make sure to draw a bath, get them some antique guns. Yes. Just <laughs> get them ready. Get them so ready. That, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much to Scott and Forrest for stopping by. Please check out the Astonishing Legends podcast. It is one of the best out there. It has everything. It's got true crime, paranormal, mystery, history something that rhymes with those two things as well thank thank you so much for being on and force and i actually stuck around and we did a part two so that'll be the next episode and uh victor your episode's been pushed again sorry sorry but thanks again and thank you for listening